Hey, you know what? I'm going to call this episode 99, but I might not be as good at counting as we would all like to think, especially my elementary school teachers. May they all rest in peace. Pretty sure that's safe to say because of my vintage. Anyway, according to Spotify, which is the platform on which I put these episodes, this is episode 100. So false congratulations for me. And maybe I'll actually work up the energy to celebrate the 100 by my count on my next episode. Welcome to Into the Garden with Leslie. This podcast is sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping, Color Blends Bulbs, GreatGardenPlants.com, and artist Karen Blair. I'm Leslie Harris, and math was never my strong suit anyway. I'll be chatting with my friends Marianne Wilburn and Scott Berline about all kinds of things, including two types, no wait, three types of garden travel. One is a trip that Scott and Marianne took together this spring in California. Another is trips, plural, with an S, that Marianne is planning for next year to England and maybe Portugal and maybe one with Scott. I realize I'm not making this very clear, so better stay tuned for the interview. The third is that Scott basically has talked us all into traveling to Cincinnati because if you listen to how he talks about the annuals at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden in this upcoming interview, you're going to want to book that trip. And the playlist is about what to do in your garden at this time of year. Here in July, we are starting the dog days. As most of you know, I'm pulling up stakes from this wonderful garden that I will still call home for a few more weeks. I'm hosting some people visiting this week, so it will continue to look good, of course, until I move because this is my playground, I love to garden, and I want the new owners to have something pretty to look at also. I tried direct sowing a bunch of zinnia seeds in some holes in a couple of perennial beds, and nothing much is coming up. And I feel bad about that in terms of September interest, which is when we leave and the new people come. But luckily, I have a for free and pretty easy fix. There are several types of plants that just come and come and come again for me. And it's because I compost and the seeds are prolific and happy to stick around year after year. When I go get my compost to spread it over a bed, the seeds germinate. The most prolific this year are tomatoes, which aren't the beautiful flower of the world, so they've largely been edited out. However, at the front of one border, three of them were so nicely spaced that I went ahead and staked them up and made them look like they were always supposed to be there. You probably know that if you do kitchen compost, the tomatoes that will always come around from those seeds are cherry tomatoes, and I like them just fine. I can't wait to harvest a few. It is likely that those plants won't look beautiful by early September when we leave, so That brings me back to my original problem of, oh, there's a hole in the garden. So I'm fixing these holes in other places, and I'll be ready to do that with these tomato plants if they look tatty by the end of August, which is what I predict. So what are some other plants that just appear for me? There's the Verbena bonariensis. That is a really handy thing, except it's not very chunky at the bottom, so you don't get the sense that a hole is actually filled. It's it's very streamlined. Another one is Cleome a stalwart and a strong, tall annual that I never really have to stake. Very good plant and a pollinator. What else? Oh, I have this Celosia, which you might have heard me talk about. It's it's not a brilliant pink, but it's certainly inoffensive and also fairly tall, and it usually doesn't need to be staked either. With both Cleome and Celosia, I tend to pinch them back at least once so that their trunks become stout, and then me bragging about not having to stake them will actually be more than likely true. Of course, if left to their own devices, these four-foot plants would be growing right at the edge of every bed because that's where the seeds tend to drop and that's where I put compost. In the case of Cleome, scratching you as you walk by because they develop stubby little thorns. So I'm taking handfuls of those and transplanting them to the holes that are further back. That relieves the feeling of claustrophobia as you walk down a garden path by not having something almost shoulder level with you buzzing with pollinators. That's always a pleasant thing, unless you have the feeling that they could fly right into a facial orifice. So if I space them out better and then get them to fill in these gaps, it could look like I actually know what I'm doing as a gardener by not having gaping lacunae, which is, I believe, the way you pronounce the plural for a lacuna, which is a fancy way of saying gap. I have an overabundance of several types of plants that I actually need to weed out of paths and other places where they just should not be. So you might have heard me talk about what plants I will take to my next garden on our last episode. Since I recorded that one, it's been made clear that the new owners are very interested in all the plants. So this will not be a free-for-all digging event in the last few weeks of my occupation here. I'm very pleased about this for a couple of reasons. One is that these people are gardeners and they care about the plants too. 
And number two is that it's very freeing that I don't feel like I have to take, you know, some of this and some of that. Taking a lot of plants would be a lot of hard work. The new owners paid for the house, they paid for the garden, and I feel very good about me shopping for new plants as I get to know my new little garden. And that probably won't even be until next spring. That being said, as I'm pulling plants that I've already mentioned, plus others like Lobelia syphilitica, Begonia grandis, and there's a type of elephant ears that always pops up in the wrong place. These are kind of like weeds. I mean, these are plants where they're not supposed to be. So I pull them up. If they have a good root system, I'm not just composting them. I'm either using them to fill in the blanks here in this garden that I'm leaving behind, or I'm throwing a few in a pot for a friend or for me so that they won't be wasted. So again, in this case, the new owners or any of their friends who might be listening, I am not relieving them of plants. I'm simply relieving them of the plants in the wrong place, 99% of which are universally recognized as weeds. The ones that are actually generally recognized as garden plants would have to be pulled out anyway because they're just not in the right spot. So my guilt is assuaged and I'm doing what I actually have to do, which is to maintain the property until I give it over to them. I'm also taking lots of little videos and photographs and posting some on Instagram, so I will remember this garden. And as I write the script for what you're hearing right now, I'm sitting and looking out over my balcony and watching the many birds and seeing the many plants. My view at the next place won't be nearly as good, I got to tell you. But I'll remember this and I'll be very happy in both places, looking back here and enjoying the new spot. Oh, and I'm going to be even more happy because the scenes of this place will go into a Karen Blair painting that has been promised for Christmas from my dear Jeff. Karen is a Charlottesville-based painter whose work is just gorgeous with exuberance and bold colors and shapes, and she takes commissions, including one from my husband. And she could put your garden onto one of her big, beautiful canvases. Look at the blog which accompanies this podcast episode at lhgardens.com and check out some of her work and links to more of it. Coming up, we're going to talk with my friends Marianne Wilburn and Scott Berline about Garden Rant, the blog they write for, about garden travel, and about the correspondence between these two garden ranters that you are going to want to check out. Welcome back to End of the Garden with Leslie. I'm here with two pals. One that I went to Great Dixter with last year, and I, that was the first time I met her, but I've met her several times since in Charlottesville, Miss Marianne Wilburn, and Mr. Scott Berline of the Cincinnati, well, they like to say zoo and botanical garden, but let's reverse it and be alphabetical. And Scott and Marianne have this really special relationship because they both think I'm wonderful, but also because they have this Dear Gardener thing going on on Garden Rant, one of our favorite blogs that I know you read because you're not reading mine. I'll probably edit that out. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are we? Hi. Hi, Leslie. Good to see you both. So last time we chatted, there was a trip being planned, and it was called Cast, and it was in California. And you are still friends, so it must have gone pretty well. But I want to know more. Scott, start us off. What, what, what did we learn from this trip? Oh, it, it was just fabulous. It was, you know, it, it, you're putting it all together now that it's a month or two in, in the rear view, it, to me, it just kind of put so much of what you see day to day in the botanical world, especially when it comes to perennials and annuals, mostly annuals, but it puts it in context. You meet the people and you see the plants here, there, around different places in the gardens, but just going from, what is it, a 500 mile path of nursery to nursery to nursery and seeing the plants and the people in person, one after another, it just kind of just stitches it all all together and gives you a perspective that you wouldn't, you, you could spend years in this industry and never have. 500 miles, Marianne, approximately how many stops? And were there tasty freezes along the way? Oh, no, there was In-N-Out Burger, right? Tasty freeze. Come on, In-N-Out. In-N-Out. Okay, better. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, we stopped at In-N-Out three times. Uh, is that <laughs> And the nurseries? Uh, oh, wait, oh, the nurseries, right. Uh, we had nine stops. Oh, wow. uh, and some of them were only one place, like Ball was was one stop. But then Ball's made up of a lot of smaller companies coming together under Ball, like Ball Ingenuity and Pan American Seed and Star Roses and Plants and all that sort of thing. And then we had other stops that were several companies, uh, like uh, the first stop, Danziger. We had... Danziger, we had 
who else do we have? <laughs> trying to think. Uh, that was our very first one. And it's already gone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> These are the minds of people. Pastor Prime. Pastor Prime. <laughs> you know what I really remember is Tucky, um, mm. which is a seed company. And they had like three or four different companies as you went through. One of those was Kift, right? And another one was, um, wow, I'm doing terribly. Can we edit all of that out? No, no, you, we, we won't edit all of it. But here's what I want to know, because I'm not recognizing many of these names, a couple of them, sure. But I'm, you know, I was in the industry and then I kind of still have one foot in it. But that's the interesting thing. It's, and that's why, you know, it's always a puzzle. It's sort of like, figuring out the Vatican or something and how it all fits together is none of these names are on the plants you buy at the garden center. By that yeah. point, they've, they've gone through three or four stages and they're just out there as a plant, but there's the breeders. And then like ball has, you know, ball seed, ball flora, which, you know, that's the seed end, and then the, um, the vegetative end. And then they have Pan Am seed and Darwin, which is perennials. And it just, it's, all these different arms and things and you know forever and ever and even to some degree now it doesn't make any sense why it's this complicated <laughs> but then it kind of does after you go to cast and then of course two months later like like marianne and i are now flailing trying to remember it it's kind of <laughs> goes away but you know it it's it's just this interesting giant industry you, it's not like nabisco or pepsi you know that you see these products and the names are on them it's, it just it doesn't work that way. Some of them are brands that you know, like Southern Living Plant Collection. Yes. Are there. The last time I went was Proven Winners was there. They weren't there this time. Uh, sometimes I was just at a nursery up in, in uh, Pennsylvania and there was Duman everywhere. Um, but Which one? What was everywhere? Duman, Duman Orange, Duman oh. North America. Huge company. Huge company. If looking at tags, you'll see there, they have the Iconia Begonia series. Um, they're just coming out with this new Dahlia revelation. Some of those are, are recognizable, but a lot of them are not. And mm -hmm. so for the consumer, uh, it's that they're waiting for these to be bought, you know, some of these to be bought by somebody else. Or And you mentioned last time we talked about it when we previewed this, this trip that um, these things are not going to be on the shelves. You know, what, what you're seeing, some fantastic new plan is not going to be on the shelves. Maybe not ever, certainly not this season, maybe not next season. What's the time lapse? A year, usually 2024. Oh, is that all? Okay. Yeah. 2024 is usual, but it very much depends on the big buyers that come through okay. and if they're interested in certain things. Um, I remember one begonia that I was super interested in, and I this will all remain nameless, but I was interested in the begonia, and I said, the chances of that coming out, and they said, uh, they saw people were interested, but not overwhelmed. And so that one might go by oh. the way, but other ones, you know, like for instance, I was there in 2018, and canary begonia, the, mm -hmm. have you seen that one? That's the- Canary wings. The, it's a it's a chartreuse leafed uh, begonia that came from Jared at Groovy Plants Ranch, and Ball Ingenuity had picked that up, and and that was everywhere for you know the next year or two. You know, it's there's no guarantee that they're going to be there, but it's great to know what's coming out. Is it great for you all as personal gardeners, or because you're not selling these plants? Like, what's your interest? Just to be on the cutting edge, just to have an upper hand, just to make us jealous? What What's going on here, Scott? What What do we? <laughs> um, we, we use a lot of these plants at the Cincinnati Botanical Garden and Zoo. Okay. So it's from that end, from a professional end, it's it's interesting. As a writer, it's interesting to know what might be coming down the line, and and have a little heads up and and be able to report on it. Uh huh. But just as an interested, you know, passionate gardener, just knowing more about what plants are coming, what are what's actually out there, because sometimes you don't even get the the full picture of what is even available now. Right. And you know, just knowing where they come from, knowing the breeders behind them, the companies, you know, the kind of stuff that if you're passionate, interested in learning a little bit more about putting it all together. For me, I know that the last time I went, not th this time to a certain extent, but the last time I was in the middle of, of thinking about my last book, Tropical Plants and How to Love Them. And so I was very heightened awareness of what was 
what was out there in the main current for tropical plants was that cannas, uh, did they have gingers out? Did they have bananas that, you know, and seeing what was being branded to go to consumers. And that really helped me when I was trying to give people suggestions for things that they could easily find, not just, you know, niche things okay. that it might be hard to find, but um, things that they would, you know, find and that I had grown and then could recommend to other people. And for instance, uh, this year, I uh, was able to see a Tacoma Stands, which is a, a very viney, very vigorous sort of uh, bit like Campsus radicans, except for it's a, a more subtropical plant. And that is a crazy grower, but this one is supposed to be for containers. Very beautiful. It's a series called, I think it's called Kalua is a series and they had all of these different one's papaya, et cetera, et cetera. And seeing that is like, oh, okay, this plant is coming out into the marketplace. This is making a splash. I can tell people about this if I'm trialing it or what have you. And and that's, you know, it's good to know what's what's going on. Simple as that. What would the, if if it just, you know, Joe Gardner, well, no, actually that's a person who probably went. Um, if a normal gardener uh, who just loves plants, can that person go? And if they do, they're just picking up tips like you, but but do you have to be invited? What's what's the story? Well, there's not an invitation, you, but you do have to sort of sign up for it. Okay. You have to know about it. And that's, you know, kind of half the battle and go figure out your tour and, and, and make all the appointments. It wouldn't be interesting, I don't think, to just your average gardener. Okay. You kind of have to be in a, to a fair measure, just just to be interested enough. Okay. Scott signed us all in as the Cincinnati Zoo. He did. He left my name off of it so that nobody would balk at <laughs> inviting me. It's just all Scott. <laughs> well, I think we've invested enough time into talking about something that regular people can't go to, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Oh, yes, Leslie. Oh, yes. Cash was wonderful this year. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> you think so, Scott? I was, you guys invited me, you might've regretted it, but you invited me and I couldn't go. So anyway, moving on. Um, the uh-huh. Dear Gardener, so our favorite garden blog, the Garden Rant. And these two people are duking it out back and forth. Letter from the Midwest. And what do you call yours, Marianne? Letter, letter from, to the Midwest. Letter to the Midwest. Okay, there yeah. you go. <laughs> and uh, it's it's really going well. And you've already started an Instagram just for Garden Rant. I think, did you do that, Marianne? Yeah, we suddenly realized at the beginning of the year, hey, we don't have an Instagram presence and we really should, at the very least, to be able to claim the name, which was still available. Unbelievable. Good. And it allows us to highlight articles. We each can go in there and highlight articles. We do it for each other, et cetera, and let people know to get back to the website. Yeah. So the newsletter that comes out is a good prompt also. I always look at that and think, if I keep it, if I think I'm going to read it later, but it's it's really good. The um, the thing that comes in, you know, if you're on the mailing list, it says, and there's a new article and there are two new articles. But Instagram is also a good thing to scroll through. So now um, you have been doing this for how long, Scott? Tell us about the Dear Gardener series. Dear Gardener, how long? I, I bet it's three years now. Is that right? I can't believe it, but I think it might be. Yeah. Wow. Of course, you know, at the rate we right back and forth that's we've had five letters now <laughs> <laughs> no no that's not true we've got a, we've got a fair amount but we do sometimes we take our time we try to get one every couple weeks that's good but you know we are gardeners and we've got you know other jobs i'm writing here. caught up in all of it the gardens and the jobs, you know, which is part of the letters, you know. Yeah. For people who don't know, the way it got started was that Marianne took umbrage with a post that uh, Scott had made. It was actually a printed article in Horticulture. Oh, no oh that's right. Yeah, that's oh, where it started. Wow. And so then you ranted back at him. Oh, boy, she did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just in the mood that day and I opened this magazine to find Scott, which who I had met, spoke with him in Ohio one time. And he obviously had a sense of humor, which was good even though it was directed at me at the time. (laughs) And I just was in the mood to answer him because this article was all about how we didn't understand British garden writers and they needed to just 
what did you say? Piss off Beth Chatto? Isn't that what you said? Uh, yeah, there were some things like, yeah, basically it was like, let's have a Boston Tea Party of all the British authors, you know, dump them in, the, in, in Boston Harbor because all the lovely pictures and all the great advice and all the plants that they use just don't work here. Oh, no, I, I, I disagree. They take, they work for like three weeks in April. We're good. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it was over the top. So much deeper than that, and so I can't expect top. Scott to completely understand. But um, you know, there's nuance, and there's a lot of technique that we can glean. And it was not a nuanced piece that I wrote. It was just over the top, <laughs> and, and all of these things. And they've got a longer history with this than we do. It was going for the cheap laughs, and so he didn't expect that. <laughs> no, I thought everybody was in on a joke. <laughs> but since then, it's been less particular points, or have I missed some? Because it's not like I'm. I try to read them all and I think I've read most of them, but I feel like now it's just sort of newsy. This is what's happening. And I'm going to give you a hard time. Is that what we're doing? Which I love, by the way. I think so. I think that it, it provides a backstory to both of our gardens. And that is, that's important because you have a certain garden writer way of writing. Uh, you're trying to get a lot of information out and, and do it well. And, Scott may not understand this because he's stream of consciousness, but you know those of us who are trying to be professional about it. Not in my wheelhouse. But this allows more of a casual conversation between friends who are also very serious, hardcore gardeners and the things that are going wrong, that are going right, uh, the things that we want to do, places we want to see. Uh, that type of thing. Advice for one another about stuff that's that's life advice and and garden advice. I think there's always an element of humor to them. And sometimes yeah. it's more humor than anything else. But then there are times when, you know, we're kind of like guiding each other along through, we're both in over our heads with how much we've committed to our passion for, for gardens and plants. And sometimes you need somebody to hold your hand. Sometimes you need somebody to slap you in the face, you know, sometimes, you know, and that <laughs> I think that's something that conveys past us to other gardeners who may be, you know, just as much into that space as we are. Absolutely. It's so fun. And, and listeners, if you have not read the series, you've got to. But now, Scott, tell us, because you're now beginning to think about uh, taking the show on the road. Oh, yeah, this is actually uh, more Marianne's wheelhouse. But yeah, you know, one thing I've always wanted to do is lead garden tours. And I've never been able to do it outside of Cincinnati. And Marianne and, and and her friend Andrea, who mm -hmm. she has actually led tours for, we're talking about putting one together. I'll let Marianne pick it up from there. Cool. Yeah, um, Andrea Gasper, who is probably my top travel companion. I mean, other than you, Scott, of course. Hey, what about me? Hey, hey. Oh, oh, and you, and you. I forgot, I forgot. Jeez, but oh, this girl jumped out of an airplane. Come on, can you top that, Leslie? Can you? Is that who you want to travel with? Is somebody who jumps out of a plane? It wasn't on a flight to Europe. It was, oh, okay. right. you know, because her niece needed somebody to do that. And she said, okay. Her motto is, it's good to do things that are hard. And she was actually with us on at the cast. And she was, yeah. I said Marianne's friend, but I, I consider her a friend now. She's so fun. And she's so great. So it's good to do things that are hard. She travels 500 miles with you two. Huh. Okay. I get it. Yeah, I get it. That was one of it. And, and so she's uh, put together a travel company that she's been working with for the last year and a half called Inspired Escapes. And so she and I are wanting to do tours together, um, garden tours, and we're looking at different areas. England's always on the cards because it's just like a second home to me. Uh, Portugal, because uh, it's a second home to her um, and all sorts of other areas. Uh, and we thought, wouldn't it be cool? if we have a lot of readers of Dear Gardener, which is sort of weird because they are still very personal letters huh. and other people read them, right? I mean, obviously we put them on the internet so to be read, but if readers of Dear Gardener, if they would be interested in traveling with the two of us uh, to go and do some uh, tours in the UK where technically it sort of started because you were so condescending, Scott. I, I just thought of, you know, how interesting that would be for me to go take my licks for, for having... <laughs> you know, put my neck out there so foolishly. And then a, a week on a bus with you kind of just throwing salt in the wounds over and over. I think it'd be a lot of fun uh, for, for everyone except me. Uh, 
No, it's good to do things that are hard. I think I think we adapt the most. Exactly. That's right. And I give you a PIMS every once in a while, maybe a gin and tonic. Now that you've come over to gin and tonic. Oh, uh, yeah. I've got one now. What do we have here tonight? Are we drink is it Hendrix? I'm on white wine, but what do you guys have? Hendrix. I've got a local Ohio one. Um Brent, what's it called? I gave Marianne a bottle. It's called a the petal gin and petal or something. Nice. It's it's quite good, but I'm I'm out of it because we have drunk it. So I will send you some. What's the timing on this possibility of tours? Yes, I, I'm really excited about it. And that's a one-off tour that maybe we could do it each year, depending on how it went. But uh, it would be a lot of fun and see some really great gardens. Also considering domestic travel to Charlottesville, maybe? I don't sure. know. Sure. Yes. You know I want to come down. I wanted to come down and see you at Easter, but I had a house full of people. I couldn't I, I couldn't leave the Saturday before Easter. You were asking the impossible. I know. Darling. And I still haven't seen your garden. So that's the first order of business. But would you travel domestically? I would, sure. Uh, yes, um, absolutely. It is a little tougher in this country to do domestic garden touring, unless you're in like an area of that's a very heavily, heavily gardened area, uh, because we're far apart from things. I mean, I am a good hour and 15 minutes from DC area, and then you get into that area and go through all those gardens. I'm about two hours from Philadelphia. Once I get up into Philadelphia, then you're good in that region. But it's it's not like you go to Philadelphia Gardens and then you go down to D.C. Gardens and then you go down to Charlottesville Gardens like you sort of do in, in the U.K. Right. You can, you know, be down in Sussex almost to Kent and then come all the way up and go up to Oxfordshire and then maybe even go around the bend and up into Cambridgeshire. And, you know, you don't think as much of it because it's so garden heavy and you're seeing so many gardens on the way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I haven't given it enough thought, maybe, mm -hmm. but possibility all right so what do we have a timeline of uh maybe you know stretching this out into reality are we talking a year two years i think a year a year okay um yeah probably like either next spring or next fall cool all right Pat, are you nodding your head yeah uh yeah my my next spring is filling up fast so well i th i think that i'll probably be doing a trip with andre in the spring hmm whether that's uh, Dear Gardener or not Dear Gardener, okay. um, it may be fall is our Dear Gardener time. Maybe. All right. Well, if you all read the blog, then you can stay posted up on it. All right. So let's talk about what's going on at the Cincinnati Botanical Garden and Zoo. Scott, what's what's the latest? I've, I've been watching the hippopotamus. Yeah. There's Fiona and Fritz. Fiona and Fritz. Okay. Yeah. But, but let's talk gardens. What's going on? Well, we have two big events coming up. One that's public and one that isn't. The one that isn't is kind of interesting because it's sort of cast in reverse. Oh. Uh, but we we have one of the biggest display gardens of annuals in the country. It's display slash trials. So it, it's a big deal. that, that and, and we just grew it by almost twice this year. Oh. And so a lot of the players that were at cast are coming to Cincinnati in August to to sort of all converge and see these plants in the ground at the zoo, which is really exciting for us. But uh, that's that's kind of an industry thing. Uh, August uh, 24th, we're having what is probably our 12th or 13th Plant Trials Day Symposium. And uh, we've had just amazing success with these, bringing in pretty much all the top speakers in the country over that period of time. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, we resorted to Marianne last year. We had somebody cancel and we... We had to uh, hurry up and rush and get see anybody, someone, anyone. And I'm hoping she comes to visit for this uh, because it will be a great week. You've got some great names this year. I, I think I'm definitely putting it on the calendar. Ooh, name some names. Can you can you give us the tea? One of my other best friends, uh, Peter Zale, an Ohio guy that, that done good, got his PhD, and he's now at Longwood Gardens. Oh. Yeah, I think he might be. I think he actually owns it now. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, Richard Hockey from Chicago Botanic, probably the most knowledgeable perennial trialing person in the country. Speaking of perennials, Hans Hansen from Walters Gardens, who has probably bred about half of what's in the typical gardener's yard. Wow. Uh, just a prolific and excellent plant breeder. Uh, Liz Hughes, we mentioned Groovy Plants Ranch. She's coming down. Uh, designer Nick McCullough, who uh, has been making the rounds. He, he has a book out 
uh, on the best gardens of, of America. He's going to be on my next podcast. Is he really? Yeah. As listeners are listening, it'll be a previous podcast. It'll be episode 96 that Nick and I are chatting. Yeah. So we're yeah. really uh, interested. He's from Columbus. So it's you know fun to have him come down. And then uh, uh, probably not well known to many people, but one of the best speakers out there, Holly Scoggins. Oh, I know Holly because she is drop dead funny. Drop dead funny and one of the most knowledgeable people, uh, you know, in the field. She's been through extension. She's with Saunders Brothers Nursery now. She's scientific and funny at the same time. Mm-hmm. Great qualities in a person. So a lot of fun there. So it's going to be great. Yeah, great deadpan delivery with so much stuff. She's terrific to listen to. Yeah, I first got a load of her on the. Uh, the, the podcast called um, Let's Argue About Plants. Oh. And that was mm-hmm. that was kind of funny for a while, but now it's, you know, it's it's good. It's good information. So I do listen to it, but it's not quite as jolly as it used to be. However, they do have this bit at the end where they have a guest person talk about whatever the topic is. Like I did one that was my favorite um, see-through plants. So plants, tall plants that you could plant at the front of the border. Anyway, so that person has devoted 10 minutes to the end of this podcast. Holly's been on it two, three times. I don't know, but that's the time where I'm like, I got to sit down and listen to this and like control myself because I'm laughing so hard. And she has not been on my podcast, but she is on my oh, list. Yeah. So anyway, that sounds like a great, great list, Scott. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, last year we had Marianne, uh, Dan Hinckley, John Grimshaw. Mm-hmm. and Janet Draper. How, yeah, Janet Draper. And, you know, how are we going to top that? And these folks might not have the name power of the, of last year, but it's going to be just as great of a program. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Hockey is wonderful. Yeah. He was on my episode. I don't know what, but I've had him on to talk about his trials. So Marianne, we're going to just ignore you for a minute and go back to Scott with a That's question. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. You I'm just sit there. Have another sip of your drink. Um, I want to know, how did you choose the plants to trial as you're going through? Was it from your trip to Cass or how did you choose the plants that are going into this trial? So the annuals program uh, predates me. It started in 2002 and I joined the, the zoo in 2010. But it's it's kind of sloppy, honestly. It, oh. It's a most of the plants are donated, and we sort of place orders of what we hope to get, and it's a cross between what we know will do well, and then, you know, things that we're experimenting with and and are kind of sticking our neck out with a little bit, which is tricky because it's all on display. Yeah, and we don't want anybody to be embarrassed, you know, the breeders ourselves, you know. So we try to make it work by planting the plants in the right spots and uh, doing the best we can, uh, choosing the right material and so forth. But every year we get, what we get is a little different, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So what we get is a little bit different than what we asked for. Yeah. And oh, um, interesting. we have a woman on our team, Kira Back. She's, she's a remarkable uh, horticulturist. She went to Temple University, studied under Stephanie Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been with the zoo for over 30 years. But basically what it comes down to is, is when a bed is ready to plant, you know, the, the weather's good, the soil's dry enough, it's been tilled, whatever is in the nursery that is, is just about to stretch out when it's in that perfect stage, she has to choose from that and make it work in the garden. And um, she pulls it off every year uh, just remarkably with, you know, the cultural aspect of sunshade, wet, dry, uh, you know, the artistic end of it, warm, cold, contrasting, complimentary, making it all work, texture. She just, she's a miracle worker, really. And we're really lucky to have her and and the displays look great every year. And now this year we doubled it because Jordan Holtkamp from Eason Horticultural Resources, which is one of the brokerage companies that's actually located in Cincinnati that buys and sells plants. This is kind of a part of the, the industry most people don't know that much about, but they, they move plants around. Uh, he really uh, got motivated for us to grow our trialing and, you know, make it something over the top better. And it just so worked out that we had a whole new area that opened up that made that possible. And so we're literally doubling uh, the amount of mostly annuals that are going in the ground. And it, it will be over 800 varieties and about 60,000 60, plants. 
Oof, right. So 800 varieties, 60,000 plants. These are mass plantings. It's just like, yeah. okay, so you have hundreds of this and hundreds of that, and we're moving on, and now we're under a tree, and we're going to something shadier. Yeah. And We do big groupings. It helps in a lot of ways. It helps in the design aspect of it. It helps in keeping weeds down because we plant really tight, Yeah, and so that helps shade things out. And then it helps from a maintenance aspect where we can point any volunteer who may or may not know that much at a grouping of plants and say, you know, if it's not that, it's a weed bullet. So it, it works for us. Oh, perfect. Do you end up mulching or are you planting so tight that you're not going to bother? We sometimes do. Mm-hmm. In the, the higher visibility areas, we'll try to dress it up sometimes mm-hmm. uh, with a little pine fines as mulch. Uh, and of course, that just gets worked in the soil in the fall when we, we till before we put bulbs in. But mostly it, we don't need to because of the closeness of the plants. And they fill in fast. I bet they do. Curious about the tilling. Uh, is it that just so that the whoever's planting can go really, really fast and they would have dug almost that amount anyway because they're planting something so close to each other? Yeah. Is that just a time thing? Exactly. And it also opens up that soil nicely so the roots can, can grow really well, really fast. Mm. But most of the planting is actually done by, by volunteer help uh, of oh, nice. different levels of skill. And so, you know, especially with bulbs in the fall, mm. you know, you're getting in the colder weather. Gotta go deep. And yeah, you want want to be able just to till that soil so you could um, you literally plant all of them by hand virtually. And we do about 100,000 tulips where the annuals all are. So that's another, I mean, that's an amazing display. It's the way everybody gardens. Now, Marianne, how's your drink? Uh, did you finish? <laughs> I think she finished too. <laughs> She finished two drinks. I don't even know how to answer that. It's so condescending. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm just sitting here drinking. You're just sitting here um, listening to Scott. Drinking. Listening to Scott. I want to ask drinking. you about your trip. Yeah. So we are talking on my brother's birthday. Hold on. May 25th. And uh, this podcast will come out in July. I would think maybe even August. You were about to go to England. And last year you went to England. And that's when we met first time in person. And we had this fabulous week in Great Dixter. You're not doing that again. What are you up to? Tell us what you're going to see and make us all very jealous. I am going a dual purpose trip, maybe even a a three purpose trip. One is to go do some recon on some gardens that I haven't seen that I want to take people to for tours, but I want to see them with my own eyes first. Um, Some is just to visit in and see what's been going on since the last time I saw them. Uh, another very large part of my trip is being able to see old friends that I haven't been able to see in the last three years. Why not? Wait, what? Oh, oh, that. <laughs> Something happened. Something. And that thing. And, you know, these are dear people to me that, you know, you want to take any time that you can to to see them. So go see some old friends and um, also to meet up with Scott and my fellow garden ranters and Wareham and our newest ranter, Ben Probert. So I'm going to be visiting uh, Anne with her husband, Charles, and staying with them a couple nights. And they're up in Wales. They're in Chepstow, right on the border there. We're so looking forward to that. And then I'll be going back down to Cornwall to look at some West Country gardens. And I'm going to be staying with some friends down there. And I hope to sneak away and go have a drink with Ben and see what makes him tick and horrify him by my Americanness and <laughs> have him go, what did I get myself into? <laughs> so before we started recording, we were chatting about this fellow and you said that you thought he had good potential for ranting. Is he particularly angry? Tell us what you think the potential is. <laughs> No, he's not particularly angry. I think he's opinionated and he can express it well. Okay. Um, he's not afraid to uh, say what he thinks about certain things. And at the very least, that starts conversations. Right. And that's what Garden Rant is really about. And I was actually going to turn the tables on you, Leslie, and say, why do you read Garden Rant? Why do you think of it as a favorite garden blog? Yeah, I started almost when it when it did start. I started because I felt like although I can always learn more about gardening, I don't like to just read serious gardening stuff. And this one made me laugh. It made me laugh or it made me think. And it was back in the early days and the four blogs that had come together, I don't remember the names of all of them, but one of them was named Gardening While Intoxicated. Got my attention. I I just thought, oh, that's so cute because I feel like there are some, you know, articles, blogs, podcasts where it's just so serious 
although I am very serious about sustainable practices and combining what you can do in your garden to make it look beautiful and also host some wildlife and understand what your impact is. It's your garden, but it's our world, right? That is important to me. And yet I'm trying to have some fun here. And so I think that's why I think that's why I started and I think that's why I've continued. And you guys have not maybe turned away quite the opposite with your correspondence. Oh, well, that's good. We're, we're trying to, you know, start conversations that sometimes don't get started. Mm. And and that means sometimes in the comment section we have, you know, people going back and forth. Nothing, I don't think there's anything ever terrible or mean or or, you know, toxic as people say just you know good conversations about topics that people you know feel strongly about and and ben uh is one of those gardeners he is a professional gardener he actually started out with a post i think with us about not considering himself a horticulturist oh. uh, because he's not trained as a horticulturist but he has been a professional gardener for many years and i'll tell you after reading his stuff and looking at uh, in his Instagram, I'm, you know, he's a horticulturist as far as I'm concerned. That's how um, I feel about you. And it's, it's so funny. Yeah. I know. So it's interesting. I look at him and go, <laughs> oh, don't be ridiculous. But again, I don't ever look at myself that way because I'm not academically trained well, as a And neither am I. So you make me question um, myself and I don't appreciate that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But he just is talking about issues also in the UK that we're not as aware of over here in the US. So it'll be it'll be good to see. I had to have my arm twisted. Surprisingly, you all think I'm such an anglophile, but uh, we, you know we're always looking at different voices for Garden Ramp. We don't want to get too many, so that you've got a feeling of community and and family there. And Anne had suggested him, and I thought, do we you know do we do more on the English side? Maybe we should go this way or this way. And we just taken on Lorraine out in uh, Pacific Northwest, who's great Boone as well. Susan Harris, who's one of the original founders of the blog, reminded me of something very important, which was it's not that we're trying to be regionally representative. We're trying to have good writers bringing up universal topics. And some of them are going to be regional, mm -hmm. certainly but mostly they're going to be universal issues that we're all dealing with in, in the garden world. And uh, I mean, Scott and, and my letters, that that's about Why am I like this? Why am I doing it? Perils and pitfalls of doing this. That's right. And, and uh, you know, I have to say, Scott, I will admit to you right now, I will not do it in my next letter, that your last letter to me really helped me out hmm. because I was I was beating myself up a little bit about how much I had not gotten done because of such a busy speaking schedule in the beginning of the year. And apparently my tropicals are so delayed because uh, normally I'm starting them, getting them under heat. They're going boom, boom, boom. So you took one for the team. Your garden suffered a little bit, but all those people that you spoke to benefited. So think of it that way. Yeah. I mean, every year is different. And he was reminding me of the message that I'm always constantly telling other people. Every year is different. Don't beat yourself up. And then we come back to that uh, and do it to ourselves. <laughs> do as I say, don't do as I do. Mm -hmm. That's right. I, I, I appreciated that very strong reminder. And he's in the Midwest and I'm in the Mid-Atlantic. And it's still the same. We're still doing the same things as gardeners to ourselves. Enjoying every moment and wondering wait, wh what? why am I doing this? Oh, wait, it's because I'm enjoying every moment. <laughs> yeah. Right? Totally. I mean, it's... It, it, you know what? It's it's because of moments that I'm missing right now at dusk outside in my garden where I just wander through and the light is just perfect. And and I know you've been Instagramming a lot of those dusk moments, Scott. I love them. Um, they're, they're, they're the best moments in the garden. That light is so soft. Everything seems to be coming together. Even the garden that you went out there at two o'clock in the afternoon and thought, why? Why? Why did I think this looked good? It, it just oh, all come together. The birds are going, owls start going. Oh, yeah, that's why we do it. I'm convinced. I think that's wonderful. So I am excited for both of you and your wonderful summers to come and, and Marianne, your travels to come. I'm sorry that I'm not going, but I'm really glad to catch up with you. And I'm excited for the opportunity to sign up for a, uh, 
a traveling thing with you two. I think this has really good potential. And at the very least, I would just like to see, you know, the interaction. Okay, these are two people who write for a, a blog called Rant and they're on the same bus and they're trying to get along. I, I just I just think the intrigue is throw in a bunch of gin and tonics. Are, are you saying it's going to be a a murder mystery? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Actually, we did talk about doing gin and gardens oh, uh, because yeah. I have one. I have one Scott over to gin. Yeah, yeah. I am. It was a hard battle, but it took him off the vodka tonic and onto the gin and tonic. And um, so we were thinking gin and gardens might be a lot of fun. I know that for one of the trips that I did for uh, Carolyn Mullet for Carrick Stores, one of the members and I walked into this secret little garden in Chipping Camden, which is a gin garden. Oh, nice. And had a wonderful afternoon just sitting there, not needing to go anywhere else, just enjoying that. So, yeah, those type of little things, those would be fun on a trip, eh, Scott? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm you know, picturing bus rides with coolers filled with tonic <laughs> water and gin and well, you know, Marks and Spencer does a really nice gin and tonic in a little Ooh. tiny, you know. Oh, it can. Just yeah. open it up. What about the lime, though? I'm concerned about the lime. I need my yeah, citrus. I'm concerned, too. No. I'm concerned enough that I'll make sure I have lime. And okay. And the British cannot always be relied upon to have lime. Oh. I'll have lemon, mm. but. But lime, yeah, yeah. We don't want to get scurvy. Well, I suppose the lemon <laughs> is all that. No. No scurvy on this No side. scurvy. All right, you guys. Good to see you Great. both. And thank you so much for coming to chat with me about all these wonderful garden things. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks, Leslie. We'll be right back in a moment to talk about what to do in your garden this week. Are you ready to create the garden of your dreams? GreatGardenPlants.com is here to help with perennials and shrubs delivered to your door. With over 800 plants to choose from, you'll find exciting new varieties as well as old favorites. And their website makes plant shopping easy because you can figure out what you want in terms of zone and light and color and more. They have these filters. Once you're ready to order, they let you select your own ship date at checkout so you can schedule ahead for upcoming fall plantings or be ready to water like heck if you get them in the summer. And if you're worried about shipping plants in the mail, you just don't have to be worried because they arrive in great condition, but they are guaranteed. And as a listener of this show, you can save 10% on your first order with the code GARDENWITHLESLIE. So visit greatgardenplants.com and shop with the code GARDENWITHLESLIE for 10% off and happy gardening. I always love talking with Scott and Marianne. I'm going to put links to the cast event, that trip that they went on in California, in the show notes. I don't know why, because most of you all aren't professional gardeners, but just in case you're curious and you want to tag along with somebody who is, or you are, anyway, hey, Andrea Gasper, the third wheel on that trip and the person with whom Marianne is working to put together European garden trips for 2024, I will put a link to her Instagram on the show notes and also to Ben Proberts, who is that new garden rant contributor, regular contributor on that blog. And I will certainly, certainly, certainly keep you and me in the loop on these fantastic trips that Marianne and Andrea have brewing. Oh, and also just to review, Scott's Plant Trial Symposium is August 24th in Cincinnati. And here's a list of speakers who are all very impressive. Peter Axel, Richard Hockey, I've had him on the show, Hans Hansen, or maybe you say Hans Hansen, I don't know, Liz Hughes, Nick McCullough, I've had him on the show, and Holly Scroggins, she's the one who's dropped dead funny, and I want her to be on the show. And one more thing that you need to know about the interview, which I thought was delightful. After we stopped recording, Marianne said to Scott, all in one breath like this, you weren't as funny as we should have been, and I blame you. <laughs> yes, they have a strange and wonderful relationship. Questions from listeners. Well, I have a question. I was tidying up the garden last night, and a couple of large hostas, cultivar unknown because you know me, but luckily not my Empress Wu, looked so disreputable and I went to attend to them. Well, it turns out that no plant is going to look really good when the leaves aren't attached. And I gave a little yank to the ones that did seem to be attached and the entire plant came out with this tiny little root ball, not much bigger than a clementine. Two large established hostas right next to each other. Not more than three yards away were other hostas that were just fine thank goodness, Empress Wu, and 12 inches away from other plants that were just fine. This is a big mystery. I would suspect voles, but I usually know when I've got voles because, you know, you feel like you're sort of walking on the moon. Well, whatever that feels like because of the tunnels that they make in your lawn. 
So I don't, I don't know what this is about. I thought, great, another huge hole in the garden, and now it looks like I actually have been digging up the new owner's plants, which I did not do. I did save the extremely rudimentary root balls of both hostas, and I threw them in a pot by the garage near my hospital bed, because I always water there, just to see if anything can come of them, and honestly, to see if voles are the problem, because, you know, if you're a small mammal eating the bottom of a plant, you're probably not going to come along for the ride when somebody takes you to be in a now a six-inch pot. So this would give me evidence if what's left of that root ball immediately starts to produce new growth. Anyway, I had to do something with these gaping holes. So I traveled up to a high part of the woodland garden and I spied two little hydrangeas, which were never going to get any traction where I had stuck them in the deep shade where they were. Wrong plant, wrong place. And and they, they were so short, nobody could see them. So they filled the holes, which were in a much more obvious spot. And I hope whatever liked to eat the bottom of those hostas doesn't like hydrangeas too. So this is not a question that I've answered, is it? It just remains a question. But at least I solved the whole problem. And what else is going on in the garden right now? For me, the phlox is really coming good, and it smells delicious. That's the phlox paniculata. I'm also enjoying the sight and the scent of a hydrangea paniculata called vanilla strawberry. It's having such a good year, the best I can remember. I actually have three of them in the garden, and why... You might well ask, can I come up with the name of this cultivar and not so many others? This was the last plant gifted to me by my mother, who is still alive, but she has dementia. I can't imagine that she actually hopped on the internet to make the delivery happen. Pretty sure my sister actually did that. But she saw them in the catalog and she wanted me to have them and it did happen. By the way, dementia is a very sad disease, but just to leave you on a cheerful note, my mother is the most upbeat, demented person I've ever come across. She just cannot wait for her next meal with her friends down the hall at her assisted living place. And except for her memory, she's extremely healthy. So all is well. Here's something good that's going on in the garden. I have Miscanthus sinensis planted in a good way, and I thought I'd share that with you because, you know, that's an alien invasive plant. I've removed most of mine here, even though I just love the way they look. The texture and the way they always move, they just look great to me. So this one that I'm about to brag on is the type called Zebrinus. And why do I know that, you might ask? Well, that's like cheating. Even I can handle that one. It looks like a zebra, the way that the foliage has stripes. Anyway, I grow it in the shade and it looks fabulous. It's stuck between a large leaf hydrangea and some hostas, and it provides a wonderful change of texture with its horizontal stripiness. Here's another thing I like about how it's growing. It won't flower there. That way, it won't become that thing that may or may not be hurting the earth by invading wild spaces with its seeds. Chances are pretty good if it were standing on its own in the shade, it would simply flop over. And I do have to cut away some of the leaning bits that would otherwise give me, you know, those wonderful paper cuts as I walk by on the path in front of it. But for the most part, it's held up by the plants around it, so they keep it in order. And this is the beauty of a fairly mature garden. And why am I moving away again? No, it's fine. But I'm going to miss established scenes like this. In addition to trimming back annuals and deadheading, I've been giving a haircut to some spent spring bloomers. Bleeding heart, for example, simply has to be removed. That's the plant that used to be known as Dicentris spectabilis, but now it's Lamprocapnos spectabilis. Shall we just keep it simple and say bleeding heart? I think so, because in this case, dear listeners, I'm pretty sure that everybody knows what we're talking about. I find that lime green bleeding heart called gold heart holds up much better than the other ones. I don't think I've had to cut any of those back yet. But with the regular green ones, the bigger ones, they do look tatty. And some are near things that will take their place, such as ferns or hostas, in the summer. So I just cut them away so I don't have to look at them anymore. It's called succession planting. And I'm only just getting good at it now. And now I'm moving. No, no, I didn't mean to say it. I've got to get good at succession planting at my next property, too. There are several other perennials that react really, really well to a haircut at this time of year because they push out fresh spring-like green growth in the doldrums of summer. And two that I always recommend are the Blue Star, or Amsonia, and the False Indigo, or Baptisia. Just grab handfuls at the top, cut back, and a couple weeks later, you're going to see nice, bushy, bright green growth right there. My lilies are going past, so the thing to do with those is just treat them like a spring flowering bulb and remove the bit that would want to produce seed if it were left to its own devices. That leaves you with a kind of a tall green ladder looking sort of thing 
reaching incongruously to the sky and leading to nothing. But that latter bit needs to photosynthesize in order for the bulb to flower next year. And don't think that the evil devil on my shoulder hasn't said, cut it all the way to the ground. You'd never get to enjoy this garden again. But I have resisted the temptation. The ladders stay and they are photosynthesizing and I hope the new owners enjoy the lilies next year at this time. I got a really good garden tip from my friend down in Launceston, Tasmania. Her name is Julie Hart, and on Instagram, she is Nanny's Diary 92 I'll link to it in the show notes. I had her on this show back in episode 49, and she had lots of good advice about gardening. But the best one I thought, and I'll try to conjure her Australian accent, was don't waste your 10 minutes. And of course, by that, she meant that even if you're just stopping by the garden to fiddle around with something on your way to the car, or if you're waiting for somebody, putting 10 minutes into a garden is a good thing, especially in the dog days. You'll edit something unsightly, or you'll pull a couple of weeds. It's the kind of time that can really add up if you do it a few times a day, and you don't get horribly dirty and overheated. Remember that if you pull a weed or a brown bit from one of your plants, you don't actually have to take it all the way to the compost bin. You can just hide it behind something else that's there and it will compost in situ all by itself. And that's not cheating. That's just smart. And of course, we're all slaves to the hose at this point. I think I mentioned to you that I don't have an irrigation system in this big garden because I practice tough love and I only get out the sprinkler when we're in a real drought situation, which we're on the brink of now. There are some plants that I have in what I know to be the wrong place. And those ones need me to pass the hose by them once or twice a week. So I have those on my routine, but everything else just has to muddle through unless it's high heat, no rain, then all hands on deck because I really have to save some plants. Do keep in mind that grass only needs water to stay green. I definitely let mine go dormant in late summer because I know it'll green up again when the rains come. I'm very happy to water almost any plant, but turf grass is just not one of them. And how do I tell when my beds need watering? Well, you know, you have those canary in the coal mine type plants that react first. That's such an interesting phrase. I think it's about dead canaries, like guinea pigs that would succumb to noxious gases in mines before humans would. Ew, how unpleasant. Let's move on. When my hydrangeas start to pout, the first ones that do it are the big leaf or macrophyllas. That's when I generally get out the hose. But I wait until the end of the day because hydrangea macrophyllas can pout in extreme heat, even when they're well watered. If they're still pouting at like 7 o'clock at night or 6 o'clock in the morning, I know I have to water everything. And I know you all know that a sprinkle of water is probably worse than a good dousing. I mean, if a plant has a tiny root system, sprinkles will help. But other than that, that water will just evaporate long before it gets to deep roots. So why bother? And here's a tip. If you get a decent thunderstorm, but you know that it wasn't really quite what you needed, well, that's a great time to get out the sprinkler or the hose because you can water the rest. You can sort of top it off without running up your water bill as much as you would have had that not sort of jump-started you. So piggyback on little rain showers with your hose or your sprinkler system. And I'm sure you don't need to be reminded that if you have a sprinkler system that doesn't automatically cut off if we do have rain, maybe you need to figure out your instruction manual on that one. True confessions, this is one of the reasons that I would never have an irrigation system. I probably wouldn't know how to run it. Instruction manuals are not favored reading choices for me. One thing that likes dry summers is our spring flowering bulbs. Anyway, it's just a little ironic that we usually put them into garden beds with all the other inhabitants which do like summer water. But while we're on the subject of spring bulbs, Color Blends is a third-generation bulb company offering top-sized flower bulbs directly to ambitious residential gardeners and landscape professionals at wholesale prices. And that, dear listeners, is where I get my bulbs. I'm going to read a podcast review from Elizabeth Reams Garden. I really appreciate her taking the time to review Into the Garden with Leslie. And if you like my podcast, could you please rate it or review it on the Apple podcast platform? It would help me grow just like a garden. Elizabeth says, great format with informative and interesting guests. Leslie is easy and fun to listen to, and I always learn something new. Love having a fellow down-to-earth gardener in my ear as I garden in my own yard. Thank you, Leslie. Please keep it up. Well, thank you, Elizabeth Reams. I hope you enjoy your garden and are smiling as you listen to this on some lovely and not too hot summer gardening day. 
Hey, this was fun. If you have any questions or comments or corrections, please reach out to me on Instagram. I am Leslie Harris, LH. My website is lhgardens.com. And please go there to have a look at the blog that accompanies the podcast and add your comments and consider buying me a cup of coffee to help support the podcast. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Dos Amigos Landscaping, Color Blends Bulbs, GreatGardenPlants.com, and my friend, artist Karen Blair. And the lovely music that you hear is written and performed by my pal, Rusty Gear. I named this show Into the Garden with Leslie because I'm really into my garden, even though I'm getting out of this particular one. <laughs> I want to get you into yours, and I want to get me into my new one. Until next time. Until next time.